0: Openness, the ability to push back. Uh, I tell people a lot that that our team isn't just developers, and, and anybody who has it, whether it's a offshore team, an offshore team, an onshore team, one that, that works for your company or not, if the team is on board with the collective vision of the company or the project, as the case may be, and they're also willing to push back and say, "I've got a better idea, or an idea you should consider, or you know, this is a best practice that I know of because you know whatever the reason might be." I think when there's that trust and that, that collective buy-in, regardless of what you're building, you know everyone's shooting for the same goal.
1: The big question is, how can you fix and transform your organization's most important foundation, your software, into an asset which allows you to become better every single day? Each department is at its best when it can smoothly, efficiently, and productively operate, and to do that, you need to pay attention to the lifeblood of your organization your software. The custom software creation geniuses at architect now are presenting this podcast as a way to help leaders think more strategically about their software and to roadmap what needs to happen in order to be at the top of their game. No, this podcast is not going to scramble your brain by talking about DevOps or API calls. Our goal on this show is to make you better by giving you the high level insights that you need so you can better make decisions that will not only be cost effective, but will help your team on an intangible level as well as a technical one. Welcome to Newsflash, you're a software company. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Newsflash, you're a software company. I am one of your hosts, Corey Durkin, and along with me are Alex Will, Kevin Grossnicklaus, and Don Jacobsmeyer from Architect Now. And today we're going to be talking about collaboration, communication, and succeeding with a development team. I like to think of the team at Architect Now as the Navy SEALs of software development. They are a highly trained, highly attuned team of software geniuses who are able to make Uh, well, pretty much anything happened that you want to in your company's software development. And we're going to start out by talking about the iteration of how software is developed. Uh, And to do that, we're going to ask Don to give us a little bit of a preview into what it means to have gone from a waterfall development model to an agile development model and how that really impacts the efficiency and the speed and the overall product that is churned out at the end of a process like that when a company is thinking about creating new software for themselves.
2: We, we talk about Waterfall and Agile. These are sort of the you know most popular uh, methodologies, but you can really sort of insert any of them here. The underlying principle that we have found to be overwhelmingly more successful is that if you're able to have many iterations... In a, a product or a project, the collaboration that is possible between the group of people working on it is is far superior than having one iteration where you gather all the requirements, you go away, build it, and then you have a grand finale, and you know hope that the audience gives you a standing ovation. Um, along the way. You may find that there's opportunities to you know shift the target a little bit. You know when you get to have 10, 50, hundred iterations potentially, depending on what the product is, you get to observe how you're doing uh, and what the real goal should be along the way. Many stakeholders bring requirements to you with confidence that they know what they want, but until they're able to see the results, they don't have a feedback loop to know that what they wanted was the right thing. So at a broad overview, just being able to have multiple at bats instead of one um, is, is so important.
1: Yeah. It's the difference between paying someone to go create some custom software and then six to nine months later, having them come back and saying, hope you like it versus, you know, being able to see it every couple of weeks and have input, um, be able to give your ideas, be able to call audibles if you need to, right? If, if you're um, if you're purchasing uh, a house and you're building it from the ground up and you're paying the architects and the, the construction company to create this house, v- most often you're checking in several times a month to see how it's going, to see what the materials look like, and you're involved in every step of the process. So, why wouldn't you want to do that with your your company's software? Now, um, when you talk about the idea of, let's say you get an iteration back, right? We're talking about how to collaborate with the the development team. When you get an iteration back, or or you're trying to figure out what you really need out of the software as the development process is continuing, Alex, talk to me a little bit about what it means to communicate with the development team, you know, what, obviously it's important because you're, you've invested the money, you invested the time you've invested the resources to create this custom piece of software, but um you know, so, so your money is being put where your mouth is and you want it to succeed. Uh, how, what are some principles that can guide um, a, a bunch of people that are looking at a, a custom software build who, you know, know what they want, but may not be able to articulate it as well as the, the 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 men and women who are actually writing the code of that
3: software. Yeah. So one of the principles with Agile is to, you know, have that team as close as possible to the end users, the people, your clients, the stakeholders, things like that. And the biggest reason for that is to kind of shorten the feedback loops. What we don't want to happen is a, when your end users use the product, they give feedback It becomes a theme. takes three months to get to the development team. You're only playing a game of telephone and you actually lose what you were trying to get to the development team. So a lot of the times what, what will happen is the development team is directly there. Sometimes getting feedback. Um, there are times when people are doing MVPs, uh, minimal viable products and putting it out to the market, they will be actually like, if it's going to a storefront, they'll be there while people are using that, you know, terminal, that kiosk or whatever, to get the feedback loop. And that is very important because it gets the how the people are using it into the hands of developers as quick as, quick as possible. Um, one of the old ways of doing it with Waterfall was developers have these requirement sheets. They put it out there. They never actually see how people interact with the product or how they use it. So they never actually understand what the customer or end user is actually doing. And with these shorter feedback loops and actual getting close to the customer, we can actually see how people are using the using the app, using the website, using the kiosk, or whatever it is.
1: And Kevin, where are some of the places that having the dev team close to the end user and and creating that feedback loop? Where are some of the spots where that feedback loop um, falls flat and 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 does not get executed all the way to the end? You know, where where are some of the places where You've seen people building out something like this, and they kind of fall short because they don't plan for something when it comes to that that feedback loop.
0: Before I get into that, you brought up the analogy earlier of of building a house, right? If I was custom building a house, I'd meet with an architect. Say I don't build a house often; it could be the only time. I mean, not everyone custom builds homes, you know, multiple times in their lives. So I sit with an architect and design this thing, and I think I know everything I want. I'm the end user in, in that you know transaction, and I trust that the architect knows enough to designed for doors that open the right way and are the right size and for safety and for all of these things. And then when I'm done, I take it to a builder and the builder starts building. And even if I go by every week, there's only so much I can change. Uh, Once the foundation is laid, you know, the structure, the size of the house is kind of set. I'm not going to add another, you know, section of foundation or another floor. I kind of just, I'm along for the ride at that point. Um, I might have minor input in the you know the the final things as to what the trim looks like, or something like that. But the major decisions are made up front, and then just implemented by a builder. In the software world, we embrace change. We know there's going to be change. We go into any project, and you a good development team should, whether it's internal or external, you know, somebody that you employ, or just a part of your company, or you're working with a partner. Change is going to happen. Uh, the industry moves too fast for change not to happen. Even if you think you know everything, and you're right. Uh, I've had, you know, customers of ours that come to us and, you know, they say they're the expert in their industry and they, they are going to give us all the requirements up front, and we should build it exactly like that. And there's times when we ask, can we, you know, give us, you know, an example of your end user. What is a persona? What what can we meet an end user? Can we see what an end user does today if they're doing, you know, using a similar product or what are they doing? We've had customers push back and say, you don't need to see an end user. I'm the expert, I know what they want. And I, I won't even say nine times out of ten. I'll say ten times out of ten, those projects are less than successful because when the end user gets it, they might not be perfectly in sync with our expert. You know that that stood in the middle and didn't let us ask the right questions to the people that are doing this day in and day out. So where we where we've struggled is we embrace change uh, in people who do not write software, not necessarily write software, or in an environment where software is written or, or customized or built uh, frequently, they, they still retain that mindset of we need to know everything up front and then just make it happen. And some of that is budgetary. I got only so many dollars or I got so much time. They, they want to take control there. You know, here's the 10 things it needs to do. Don't do anything more or anything less. It's got to do these 10 things. Uh, And in the end, they would save a lot of money if we only did the most important seven or, you know, we talk to the customer and the customer says, we don't care about those 10. We care about these other three. This is your secret sauce do these three things and we're happy and you're going to make, you know, a hundred times more money. So change is going to happen. Uh, If, and I'm not saying your development team is going to be the, the expert on understanding, but the more you involve them in the decisions, they're going to tell you what takes a long time or what costs the most, or what's a quick and easy solution that might be a creative way to solve your problem without doing it, how you might think. I don't know a lot about building houses. I use that analogy a lot, but if I went to a home builder, I would not be the person who, I trusted to give them advice. Hey, you should build you know, the left side of the house over the right. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So I would not try to give them that advice. But in that environment, I know that decisions have to be made up front. And in software, embrace change, assume it's going to happen. That's the whole, everything we've talked about, you know, thus far is you know, plan for it. And if your team is embracing some of the newer patterns we're talking about. They're going to be the ones driving you. They're going to be asking for feedback. They're going to be asking for your users' feedback, and they're going to be willing to adjust quickly.
1: And I think that the ability to adjust quickly is something that's so important because, again, you know, not only is technology moving fast, but um, that technology, in, in many ways, powers what a company wants and needs, which can change quarter to quarter. So in the middle of a software build, you might have new needs that came up uh, that didn't exist 90 days ago. Um, Don, tell me a little bit about the idea of offshore resources. So this is a a component of, you know, building out software, collaborating with teams. Talk to me a little bit about that and kind of pull back the curtain for people on on what the, uh, the nature of offshore resources uh, are um, and, and how that plays into a new app build.
2: Yeah. So when we talk about offshore resources, we ultimately sort of change that concept, but the principles are still there. So when we think about offshore resources, we're actually considering, you know, are they in our time zone and do they speak our language? This is really more of a functional difference than a location difference. So. We actually do work with some offshore resources, but they're really more near shore because they're in South America. They speak English natively, um, or at least very, very proficiently, and they're in our time zone. So they're literally a part of our team, even though they're not a US citizen and they're not in the same you know country, right? So often, Um, companies look for offshore resources who may be in India or, you know, across the world, which is fine. There are many of those people who are very smart and good at what they're do, good at what they do. Um, But again, back to the sort of principles of what does collaboration look like? How can you get iterations and how can you have effective communication between technical and non-technical people? It's really challenging uh, when you have someone who doesn't speak your language natively, sleeps on an entirely different, you know, works and sleeps on a different time schedule than you do. And you want to ask them to be a part of an end user discussion, potentially even, and understand the culture and implications uh, around, you know, what they're being asked to do. And it's not wrong or bad that they're not, you know, the best at it. If, If they were building an app that was geared for their own Time zone and culture and language—they would be better than Alex or I probably would, um, in some areas at least. So there are important considerations that are go well beyond the money. Are they cheaper? Yeah, that's not a hidden a hidden fact. Um, but you get what you pay for, sort of as a broad statement, and everything. Um, and we keep people together as a team within architect now for a reason, because the, the collaboration the communication and just what a team is able to produce as a team is far greater than, you know, getting uh, different people across the world together for sort of a, an ad hoc project.
1: Yeah. And listen, if you're, you know, one of the things that's so powerful about architect now is you really embrace the fact that software is the lifeblood of every single business in 2021 22 and beyond and your commitment to working with you know resources that are really aiding you in creating that powerful foundation for everything that you build um, means that you're not willing to cut those corners, right? You're, 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 you're focused on, we need to have people that are in the trenches with us are in it to win it are focused on the end goal and want to serve our clients at the highest level. And, you know, that's really the nature of, of what it means to work with a professional, um, organization like architect now is to be able to look at how your outside vendor is, going to collaborate with you and communicate with you and and where they deploy their internal resources I think it's a a huge piece of the value that you bring to the table and you know listen but quite frankly if your your vendor isn't isn't thinking about their external resources that way um, and if they're not thinking with if, if they're not thinking about how to really understand what your end users need um, you might want to look at a different vendor. You might want to look at somebody like Architect now because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, and, and I've heard this in, in, in my business career, well, I will, I will hear a, a, somebody from the tech team talking about the features and benefits of a particular piece of software, um, but they have no idea what the real world application of that software is to, let's say, the sales reps that are out on the road. Right, and 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 there's a complete disconnect there, um, that's really hard to bridge that gap, um, and 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 so to be able to have an outside vendor who is willing to get in the weeds with you, really understand those feedback loops, really understand where to deploy their resources and work with the people that are going to be in lockstep with them every single second of the project, that's what you guys do. I think that's incredibly powerful, and. Um, you know, to 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 finish up this episode, Alex, talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, the tech team talking the talk of the you know of the company, right? So you have, let's say, you're working on a project. Um, kind of going back to what I just said about how a lot of times the the the, the tech guys and gals are are very stuck in their in their coding language. They're stuck in the technical as you know aspects of things. Um, what what how do you We've talked a lot in this episode about the sort of business team, the business side of things c- communicating with the tech team. What should somebody be looking for in a uh, in a tech team when it comes to them communicating back to them? In other words, you know, you have you you're working on a project and uh, the developers really need to understand what the use cases are so they can better build in and kind of see around corners. Talk to me a little bit about sort of, the onus also being on the developers to really communicate effectively.
3: Yeah. So a lot of times in our internal teams, we have a a person called a product owner and they're really the champion for what this product should look like. They are the ones doing a lot of deep research into the users doing AB testing with them, doing user interviews with them, um, doing all that kind of stuff. So they are really the people that understand and know what the outcomes they are looking for for this product. So they are usually have a little bit of a tech background. they work with teams in the past. So the development team is usually going through them as the point of contact for a lot of other questions that they, you know, they, they need answered. And the product owner is working with them every single day. They're in their stand-ups talking to them every morning and answering any questions and have a very, very quick feedback loop. We're not talking days. We're talking minutes most of the time. So any kind of question the developer has, they talk to the champion of the product right there that's super important. Um, that's what makes the team whole, really is having the development cap you know capabilities as well as having someone there that is a representation of the users and really understands what they need.
1: yeah, that's really powerful to bring in that representation of the users to that conversation um, and and to be able to be that connected, right? Because you have I, I think that, Well, I'll ask you this, Kevin, um, you know, when you're, when you're building a new piece of software and you have this agile development, um, you know, you're, you're connected at every step of the way in an ideal, an ideal scenario, you have that, that champion that's connected to the, the, um, you know, the, the wants and needs of the end users. You've got a good feedback loop. What do you think is the piece of the communication patterns between, the dev team, the champion, and the end users that really kind of puts it over the top in terms of making a successful software product come to life? What, what, what do you think is kind of the secret sauce of um, that kind of glues it all together? Is, the, is there one thing that you can think of that would really help people kind of understand the inside baseball nature of what's needed to make an undertaking like this successful?
0: There's probably a couple. I mean, the two big ones would be, you know, just trust and, you know, uh, openness, the ability to push back. Uh, I tell people a lot that, that our team, isn't just developers and, and anybody who has it, whether it's a offshore team, an offshore team, an onshore team, one that, that works for your company or not, if the team is on board with the collective vision of the company or the project, as the case may be, and they're also willing to push back and say, I've got a better idea or an idea you should consider, or, you know, this is a best practice that I know of because you know whatever the reason might be. I think when there's that trust and that that collective buy-in, regardless of what you're building, you know everyone's shooting for the same goal. And whether it's the business pushing back on development, saying, "Hey, this is you know I think that I've got a good idea. Let's debate this," or on the flip side, the developer is pushing back. A little bit saying this should really be over here because this is an industry best practice in terms of software and people are going to understand it better because they are be familiar with it uh, the most successful projects are where that give and take works successfully and isn't taken as in a bad way uh, it isn't taken as a you don't trust me i don't trust you when that trust is there and that open communication is there in the trenches during the middle of the project when things are getting built and there's a lot of change happening uh, the outcome is extremely, you know, higher quality than it would be for all involved. The development team enjoys the project much better. The business enjoys the end product and, you know, working with the development team. So if you're willing to take that feedback and give that feedback and find yourself in a situation where both happen, then perfect. That, that's the best scenario. Take technology out of it. That's how projects uh, across any industry should work.
1: This podcast is presented to you by Architect Now. Whether launching new cloud or mobile apps or modernizing your legacy platforms, Architect Now can help you identify the best options and work with you to bring those ideas to life. If you like the information in this podcast, we can assure you it is only a fraction of the actionable wisdom and insights you will gain by talking to the team at Architect Now. To learn more and start a conversation, visit us on the web at www.architectnow.net. We'll see you on the next episode of the Newsflash You're a Software Company podcast.